Hi, everyone. I am so excited to be here with Sylvia Ma. And Sylvia, I'm excited always to interview people, but with you, I'm exceptionally excited because uh, I just, I always refer to you, and I told you this as a dynamo within the startup ecosystem, not only in the San Diego area where you are living, but in SoCal and now nationally, you are just getting known throughout the, you know, investor and startup ecosystem. And so I am so honored to be able to have this time and it's good to see you again and uh, hopefully see you soon here in person, it sounds like. So uh, to start out, you know, you have Ad Astra Ventures, you are part of Stella Labs, correct? You have She Invest, which podcast and books and all sorts of things going on. You also are co-fund manager of the San Diego Angel Conference. I mean, you've done so many individual investments in startups. We've got a lot to talk about. And so uh, if we could start out just just tell the people that are watching this, the startups and other investors, you know, what is your background? How did you end up, you know, getting involved with the whole investor world? Well, thank you, Jerry, so much. Um, it's awesome to be interviewed by an ecosystem like ecosystem builder like you, right? That really understands these like little nuances that makes inv make investors magical um, and uh, entrepreneurs shine. So, thank you, uh, Jerry, again for um, having me part of this wonderful video series. So um, where did it all become, began and all that. So thank you for, for diving into a little bit of my bio. Uh, one of the things that I like to always say is that um, I, I am where I am because I want to really um, enlarge the, the um, startup ecosystem, the startup innovation ecosystem, locally, regionally, statewide and nationwide, of course, globally as well, but I really try to stay within the United States. I do have a little bit of a, of a, of a hook in Latam, so in Latin American countries, through investing in a fund. And I, I wanted to say that just because all these things that I do, I really want to be able to source the right entrepreneurs and be able to connect with the right investors that align with my values, right? Integrity, um, innovation, and impact, right? Those are the three main kind of pillars that no matter if I'm talking to an entrepreneur, I'm talking to an investor, that's something like, okay, I want to do this fund with you. Great. You're going to build this ecosystem. Awesome. Let's do it. Entrepreneur, you're trying to do this. Great. I'm, I'm going to walk alongside you and invest or introduce you to the right people. So that's kind of like my ethos in general. Um, how I started was um, I'm originally from Caracas, Venezuela, even though people don't really know that I am Latina. I came here as a 17-year-old to the United States and um, started as an international student at Pepperdine University. So I was really introduced to the American culture. My mom's American, so she was in the foreign service. My dad is Italian, and they both immigrated to Venezuela. So I immigrated to United States. Um, so that I say that story just because um, really, um, Jerry, we talked about this before, is that the mentality that I have is about, you know, being empathetic to people because I was growing up in two different, two or three different kinds of cultures with my dad being Italian. He was an orphan during World War II. He was a political prisoner in Germany during World War II, mm. immigrated to Venezuela, right, to create his own company as an entrepreneur. Um, and he lived on the streets of, of Italy, trying to like, you know, beg and steal for food. Then my mom was in the foreign service. Uh, she's very highly educated from Stanford um, and went to London first to work on the, the, um, the, the, the Nazi kind of 
uh, ways that they um, went into different countries. And she did all of that analysis. She was a, definitely a political analyst mm-hmm. uh, for Nazis and Russian um, kind of movements during World War II. Then she was um, stationed in Venezuela, where she met my, my dad of dashing Italian. Um, and that's kind of how they started. But she, both of them lived through throughout World War II. My mom's 92 now, and she rationed sugar as a high schooler. So for me growing up, it was about rationing things all the time. And we would bring something into the house and we would freeze it so that we could actually eat later on. So that kind of thought process of being, you know, raised in that kind of environment, in an environment that is multicultural. I went to an international school with probably like 45 different nation, nationalities. Um, and then with my dad speaking to me in Italian, my mom, American or English, and having kind of all of these cultures put together. And then I also had a special needs sister growing up. That empathy that I created and then now immigrating to the United States, trying to figure it all out. I think that that really was, um, now that I'm older, I said, that's kind of what kind of made sure that I had this, this, this piece of understanding of different cultures and also um, embracing that, right? Embracing that that is where I kind of live and breathe, even though it's completely, I'm not Latina, I'm not American, I'm not white. Um, what, what, this whole intersectionality of things. And then throw on that I was a scientist. Um, I got my PhD in biochemistry, molecular biology, and I became a mom at 23. On my first year of my PhD, not a good idea, um, <laughs> but I did it. Um, had um, had my son at that time, and I married a Chinexican, so a Chinese Mexican. So completely intersectional, cultural, and also the experience of being a mother going through PhD was not the best, but it was what I did. And I, of course, I had a second child. He's special needs as well for other reasons. Um, so with all of that, you know, that was way back um, in 1995. And then fast forward, you know, I was doing a lot of commercialization of university um, technologies because I understand the science. I was hired at UCSD because I had to stay in San Diego, that intersectionality of um, motherhood and um, science. I had to stay here to take care of my child um, at Children's Hospital, um, but also have a career at the same time. So I really dove into the science, that curiosity of innovation and science and where that science meets commercialization, where that commercialization meets business. I love that I was like super like just completely enveloped in that at UC San Diego. So I kind of went through that, did a lot of that commercialization, did a lot of pitch competitions. I tried to start four or five different companies. You know, where when you're working in the university, you either say, I'm going to help you with your project, or I can be your analyst, or I can be your advisor. Um, and then kind of after, after all of that, I got my MBA from Brady School of Management at UCSD. And I thought, okay, I'm going to go either go into biotech and really dive into that because, of course, I want to reuse my PhD for something. Um, I either I'm going to go back to work for my dad because his entrepreneurial business was going incredibly well at that point. And I said, well, he's failing. So I might go back to that, but I need the business acumen to go forwards or I'm going to start a business. Right. I'm going to start get involved with a startup like I have before, but actually make it work um, with three kids in tow. I'm kind of crazy. (laughs) (laughs) So um, during that time uh, at 2010, my father passed away unexpectedly from um, uh, Alzheimer's. And I did not know the wealth that he had had amassed. Nobody did. Right. (laughs) Um, And so I was like stuck in this startup space knowing that I'm going to work until the day I die because I'm kind of like a workhorse, (laughs) but um, I can actually take this access to capital that I received and make an impact 
in the ecosystem that I'm living and breathing in. I'm like, wow, that's what I want to do. And let's see if that works. So I made a couple of uh, startup investments at the very beginning. I had a, a strong sense of having this innovation piece, the science piece has to be there. And I also knew that underrepresented founders are just not getting the funding that they deserved. And with this empathy piece of me um, uh, growing up, and knowing how it felt and knowing, you know, the, the journey of any woman. I always created a new woman's group wherever I was because I was one in five, right, mm-hmm. women and, and a sea of, let's say, 100 other people who were all guys. We're like, okay, let's bond together. Let's create a woman's group. So with all of that, it really came together me saying, I'm going to take this capital. I'm going to make it work for me and for my ecosystem and started investing in female-led businesses and and, um, BIPOC founders. Um, And that was 2010. So now about 12 years later, I have 66 companies in my portfolio, um, four exits, one IPO, and I've invested in 11 emerging fund managers along the way with that same sort of ethos of giving back, same sort of ethos of where are underrepresented ecosystems, people, founders, investors, and making sure that we're creating the right ecosystem with the right leaders in place. Wow, that's fantastic. So you said 66 investments. Now, made one today. Oh, congratulations. (laughs) Wired the funds today. (laughs) Congratulations. And let's go back not quite three years ago. But when I first met you, it was at the USD brink on a Monday evening when they had their Monday evening pitch events where companies would come and kind of practice. And then a few of us were that night, you and I were both two of the decision kind of judges per se that would say, okay, these companies get to get a longer pitch with slides. And I remember that's the first time I met you. And, and uh, I remember specifically that you, when you introduced yourself and talked about yourself, at that point in time, you had invested, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember you saying, I'm sure that you had invested in 27 women-founded companies at that time. So would that be fairly accurate? So you've invested in about 30 more now. Yeah, yeah. It's it's kind of, during COVID, it kind of went crazy. We invested in a lot of companies. And also the way that um, I invest sometimes is through funds. So, you know, a, a small sure. amount of funding to a fund allows me to ha- grow my portfolio um, more diverse. And I think that that's, that's, that's just one part of that portfolio view of all of those uh, founders that I can invest in. So as you said at the very beginning, I invest um, specifically into female founders and BIPOC founders on my own. And then with all of these other opportunities, we can, we can increase that I can increase my portfolio um, faster. And I didn't know that at the beginning, right. And there was not a lot of opportunities when I started off, it was really those 25 were probably like at that point, all my own. Um, and then maybe one fund. So now it's like, you know, 11 funds later, um, with most of them have six or eight, um, or sometimes 12, um, portfolio companies. There you go. 66. Yeah. Okay, so that fantastic. And, you know, we're not even going to have the time. It would take forever to develop, delve into all of the different things that you're doing. But, you know, a couple of the things I know uh, you well for, one is Ad Astra Ventures, mm-hmm. which I'd like to let, let's start out and you know, tell us a little bit about Ad Astra Ventures and what you're doing there. Yeah, so it's a, it's a cool story, too. And what we're doing is pretty um, uh, interesting and 
and transformative. So we started about three years ago. It's three venture partners. So it's not a fund mechanism with LPs and all of that stuff, because I've done that. Um, It's the three of us getting together and investing in female led businesses, right? Um, And what we also are focused in on is creating female leaders that are creating companies in their own like strengths. So really seeing, okay, this founder who's doing exceptional work, how can she lead her startup to a different way, a different path? So it might not be like the super venture um, heavy path, or it could be, but let's try to see how do we get revenue um, faster? Um, How do we be more capital efficient? They are already coming in being a lot more capital efficient. Um, Some people kind of um, define those types of founders as zebras, you know, the ones that are really like not saying, okay, I'm going to have like a 2000 X return, which is Mm. not going to happen. I'm going to be the unicorn of the world. It's kind of like, look, I'm going to make a solid business um, out of a solid solution for a solid problem. And we're going to transform this industry that I'm innovating in. Wow, that's cool. So we might get like the 50x return, but we might get a 10x return and we are okay with that. Um, So that's kind of the, the thought process of Ad Astra. And then also creating a way for men and women to come together and empower women founders through our mission of get to even. So we want to have equal representation of men and women um, on the venture table for entrepreneurs and for investors. So I think that that is a different approach than um, some, let's say, female led VCs that are like, okay, very um, heavy on, you know, let's, let's make sure that, you know, all women are invested in and all this stuff. We're really looking at the get to even point. Well, and it's great when, I mean, allies are so important whenever, mm-hmm. whenever you're dealing in whatever type of business or so. I mean, especially when you're dealing with the diversity issues and all of that, allies are so, so important. Yeah. And I know, you know, you were, you were on the call for the Women Founders Network uh, last week. And, yeah. uh, you know, I was one of maybe three men in the room at the actual event, but it's like, they're so glad to have the men in the room because they want those allies to support what they're doing and see that there are men from the investor world that are supporting them as women founders. And that's, that's so important. So, you know, thank you for, you know, creating such a light in regards to all of that. And I think, you know, what you're doing with the women founders is so, so fantastic. It's so hard with you. I just don't know where to go because there's just so many things. But with Ad Astra, what, okay, you've talked about what you're looking for in founders and that. Well, what about uh, verticals? uh, What what areas of interest uh, do you have as far as that goes? Yeah, good question. I'm going to go back a little bit too on um, the whole pipeline. I think that what I saw over so many years is that it doesn't just take one thing. Like Ad Astra is not like the end all be all. We have mentors and investors and and allies um, that help us, but then we have sister organizations along that pipeline. So I started eight years ago, Stella Labs, which is a business accelerator for female entrepreneurs. And still to this day, we do really, really early stage ideation, right? Of saying, okay, that founder needs to ideate, needs to put herself out there, get some investors, get some revenue. If she's, let's say, a CPG or something like that company or a service-based company. So that's a really early stage. And then we also focus on access to capital events like our um, women's um, 
uh, fast pitch uh, competition that is now nationwide because of COVID. We were always trying to figure out like, how do we franchise? How do we license our uh, fast pitch? How do we do this? How do we do that? And COVID hit and we're like, okay, we're going national, right? And we have all six regions and we've had great applications and great reach. Um, and just keeping on being that person that sits alongside a founder and says, okay, what's your pitch deck? What's your value proposition? What's your investor kind of um, uh, communication you know, process? Let's make sure that we get all that kind of um, solidified. And then that kind of is at that formative stage. And then we have Stella Angels, which is an angel group of female angel groups investing in female entrepreneurs at that seed stage, really early stage. We love the founder. We want her to succeed. We want to increase this female um, ecosystem, right? Uh, female economy. Uh, so from CPG, let's say like companies that are really early stage, they might need like a loan. They might be something that's right there at the very beginning or somebody who's in the life sciences who is in their seed stage. We want to invest in them. Then Ad Astra comes in seed, seed plus not necessarily series A, but seed, seed plus. And then we have boot camps for them saying, okay, you are now leaders of your, your small startup. Make sure that we, you get all your investor relationships done. We do investor simulations. We do product market fit exercises, all of that to kind of turn the wheel and say, okay, now we have a fund at Ad Astra Ventures to be able to invest in those startups, right? That are at the very top, the cream of the crop. And then we have Crescent Ridge Partners, which is Allison's, um, fund and it's a family fund. So if they're like series A, they can actually lead a series A investment based on do we know this woman for a very long time? It has she met milestones? Has she had some inflection points in her business? Now they can actually lead that round. So it's not that boom, we did this overnight. It's like eight years in the making of saying, okay, listening to the ecosystem, what do you need? Entrepreneurs, what do you need? Listening, 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 listening to the entrepreneurs, even Stella Angels. We've listened for eight years. I'm trying to figure out what do female angels actually need in the SoCal region, right? I mean, we have some that are nationwide that call in all the time. They just want to be part of our angel group. But we know every single female angel group across the United States. We we curate a map. We curate a list, an air table, so that we know who are the female angels in the seed round. Super um, focused, but really women investors investing in women founders. And we've been able to see an uptick. Now um, the Angel Capital Association put on a report that we're about in the 30%. We were down at like 11% eight years ago of the amount of female angels in the angel world. That's a huge shift because not just of us, but like golden seeds and 37 angels and um, next wave impact fund portfolio, all of us working in the last 10 years to say, okay, we're going to take one female angel at a time and one entrepreneur at a time, see if we can match them up, see if we can have everybody invest in each other and grow this economy with allies like you, right? Um, and allies like Ty and allies like Tech Coast Angels that kind of carry out along that ecosystem forwards because everybody can invest if there's a due diligence report. Is there's a champion in back of that founder? So it's been kind of this really great, um, perfect storm in the last 10 years that all of us have said yes, and yes, and yes, and yes, right? So it's, it's been very cool to see all of this grow. Yeah, and you've created this whole deal flow from the very beginning stage where you can move some of these founders mm -hmm. and companies onto your next phase, yeah. onto <laughs> the next phase and on up to the family, to uh to the family office and you know the yeah. others. So that that's a great model. 
And uh, I don't know when you sleep. Do you sleep? Uh, I did not sleep very much last night. <laughs> no, I don't sleep very much. And I have three kids now. So they're yeah. all, you know, older 20s and the teens. So, you know, I'm always the nurturer of them as well. So um, late nights are spent um, waiting up for them if they're out or <laughs> something like that. But that does never goes away. And as a leader, I think sure. that's super important to have this work-life balance or work-life, what I say, integration, um, because I integrate them all. Like my kids know exactly what I do. I'm like, look, I need to go on a travel trip or look, I'm, I'm, I'm talking to this one um, startup and my son's like in film school. And if there's something around marketing film, I'm like, hey, come alongside me. Let's have a conversation with this founder um, and, and, you know, kind of have that conversation. So all of the kids um, and all, you know, let's say even my ecosystem of entrepreneurs and, and investors, it's the same sort of thing. We integrate everything together so that we can really have better conversations and grow um, a family of, of people who support each other. That's fantastic. So real quickly, going back to, so what are the, what are the specific, uh, are you agnostic as far as? Oh, you asked that. Yes. Sorry. Um, So I'm not going to forget. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, no. So for, and, and, that, and that's why it's like a little bit different because you also talked about San Diego Angel Conference. Sure. I'm the co-fund manager there. I'm very active there. Um, and just and people always ask me, why are you there? It's about ecosystem building. We've talked about this whole time. I care about my San Diego ecosystem and I care about um, increasing the number of female angel investors and um, men angels, um, male and angels that are allies in this whole kind of value system of doing good impact innovation. So if I can have this one group that actually sources angels and investors in this values creation, innovation, ecosystem creation and building, awesome. I don't mind putting in $10,000 as a unit to be involved in that, right? And I'm growing and I'm growing that way and having conversations. So that's one piece. Um, but for myself, my portfolio and is is industry agnostic. It is really focused on the founder, right? Making sure that we um, I'm investing in female-led businesses and BIPOC founders. And the industry can be agnostic. I like to understand the industry. So, um, you know, of course, with my biochemistry background as a PhD, I can understand a lot of the science ones. So really deep science ones I love, right? Um, SaaS platforms. Um, I don't know that much about CPG, um, but I have invested in them. And what I, what, what I do is I reach out to my ecosystem saying, oh, hey, I'm interested in this one company. I really don't understand the industry. I really don't understand how this um, product will be, you know, I know consumers are fickle. The markets change all the time. But what is it about this product or the product market fit that really fits within the industry. And then I have conversations with my, with my ecosystem, but that, that founder market fit is what I can dive into too, saying, okay, do you really understand your market? If I dive into a couple of questions that she or he can actually um, talk about, it, I'm like, Ooh, that's interesting because I can actually ask those questions for Ad Astra Ventures. Um, it is that we really focus a, a lot on femtech. So Femtech is one um, kind of vertical that we would love to kind of go into a lot. We do have about four of the fa- of the, um, the startups that are in the Femtech space are our portfolio. Um, and then we also, SaaS um, solutions are, are very, very, um, you know, kind of prevalent in our, in our portfolio. And we do s- certain amounts in CPG, but they have to be impact related. Okay, fantastic. So let, let me ask, and you've already touched upon this a little bit, but... Uh, what, what are the key components you look for in a startup? Mm-hmm. So, um, like, again, I want to make sure that all the frame is that I'm at the seed stage, right? So, 
Series A is a whole other ball of wax, right? Yeah, yeah. So seed, seed plus, um, because a lot of people do pre-seed, seed, seed plus. That's kind of what I see in my in my view. Pre-seed is a little bit more difficult for me to say yes to because there's not a lot validated. And because um, only if that founder is amazing and they're doing such great traction, I will look at a pre-seed uh, round. But I really want them to look at their friends and family, see what they can get see what non-dual funding they can get and then come to me, right? And if they come to me with just an idea, I say, you know what, you need to go back, <laughs> back this way. Um, not because I want them to do homework. It's more of like, what can you get validated based on what you have? Um, is it customers? Is it revenue? Is it traction from the NSF? Because, oh my gosh, your science is amazing. Get some non-dual funding, right? Get that out of the way because any investor is going to ask you that. If you can't get friends and family, even if it's $25 because you come from an underrepresented family or um, community, ask around. Just the ask will allow you to be better askers and better pitchers when you're, when you're pitching to investors anyways. So going through that process, that's like kind of like one thing that's on the more of the, the lower level uh, considerations. But I will always ask those questions if you're a pre-seed seed. Um, the highest um, uh, thing that I look at is the founder. You know, are do are do they have the same values as me? Integrity driven. They're honest. They're um, they're values driven. Not just like it's a good thing to say, but do they care about the team that they're building? Will they build a good team that has diversity and thinks about um, values creation within their company? All of those conversations I have with founders, even if it's not just the first time that we meet, but maybe the second, third, fourth meeting, we ha might have coffee and I have questions of like, hey, how, how are you doing? How's your team growing? And they're like, well, you know what? We have this values system. You know, we, we, we have these four pillars and that's how we're bringing on different members of our team. I'm like, great, awesome job, right? Um, so that's number one, right? And number two is that product market fit, right? It might not be ideal. It might not be like, this is what we're going to go with. And this is like our commercialization plan. And we're going to like take over the world. No, it's just like, do you, are you really solving an important um, problem in this world? Because that's never going to go away. You might have a bright, shiny project product that has a little bit of more product market fit. But if you have a product that's solving an incredible problem in the world and you're creating, a, you have a solution to a really bad problem in the world. I'm like, what am I saying? Um, and has impact for me. Impact is has to be impact, right? As my investment thesis. But that's not something that let's say I like look at 100% because it's that founder, it's that product market fit. Of course, that impact needs to be there, right? And are you thinking about, and all the other things are really easy. You know, you do the competitive, you do the market. Market needs to be big enough to kind of allow you to grow. All of those like little bits are, have, are more at that stage. Have you figured it out? Have you done enough um, research, enough homework to understand that you will like, be thriving in this industry and in this market. So those are the, those are the three things that I look at. Okay, fantastic. Uh, thank you for sharing those. Now, uh, how can people get in touch with you? What's the best way to get in touch with you? I already know what your answer is going to be, but because I've heard you say it before, but, and then we're also going to put information will be on the video as people are watching it, uh, some highlights and, and how to reach you. Yeah, the easiest is actually LinkedIn. 
right? Um, just because I use that primarily as a CRM, right? To be able to track where did I meet you? How did I meet you? Do you actually send just a um, connect with me or do you actually add a note? Add a note all the time, right? Um, because then that allows me to kind of see where you are. And then we can have conversations on email. I mean, you can always email me, Sylvia, at at astra.ventures. Um, it just gets buried super fast, right? So um, the LinkedIn is great. And I would say for founders out there, if you're seeing investors that you are really excited about, you want to connect with them, like go on their posts and comment or like them, see what they're all about, because you're doing as much due diligence as them as they are on you whenever you're going back and forth. So that's why I love just saying, go to LinkedIn, connect with me because I post basically daily. Um, and um, I'm always on the platform looking at, uh, um, at messages and stuff like that. So that's just like the easiest place to like, have a conversation with me. I like that. I like I think a lot of investors are like that as well. Also, Twitter, for other investors, Twitter is a place to kind of peg people. I do not like Twitter. I'm trying to like it. <laughs> I've never really gotten uh, likable with the whole Twitter thing. But LinkedIn, it's funny because that's the exact advice I give startups is that don't be, you know, don't connect with me or an investor and then send them a deck two minutes later. You know, you got to build build it into a warm connection by commenting, by liking, by, you know, following them for a few months, whatever it might be. And then, then maybe reach out and say, Hey, you know, I've been following you. I love what you say. Your name might be familiar then to that investor because they see you commenting and liking. So mm -hmm. it's a little bit more of a warm, you know, type of uh, introduction at that point in time, but great advice. Yeah. Uh, great. Yeah, and I, and I, great yeah, and I think, yeah. And I think also is um, no matter what, if you're going to in interact with me or to you or to any investor, they're actually going to go to your LinkedIn site um, and LinkedIn profile and your site for your company and check you out there first, actually might be even before they check you out on Google. Right. So just actually just spending an hour fixing your LinkedIn profile before you interact and send a message to somebody. It just kind of allows you to just use that platform a lot more um, to your, do your business development, to have the profile that you want. You can control what your LinkedIn looks at. You cannot control what somebody Googles you, right? You can, SEO really works, but really LinkedIn is where you can actually control what people see and actually control what they see about your, about your company. So make it work, make it shine. Um, don't lie, right? But make it so that they know exactly where you are and then connect with them. It's like a super all-in-one um, place. Absolutely. Great, great, great advice. And Sylvia, I greatly appreciate this time. And I know time is very valuable. I often say that time is the most underappreciated gift that we can give someone. So it is very appreciated you so that much. you took the time to share with uh, me and with all of the uh, startups that are going to be viewing this video. So uh, best wishes to you. We will thank be you. definitely in touch and talking and seeing each other here shortly. And again, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Jerry, as always.